If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm 55. We are continuing our series on the best of Psalms, and we're going to look into Psalm 55 today. And we're going to talk a little bit about how to handle criticism. I'm glad you're laughing. Because a lot of times when you or I get criticized, it's not a lot of fun. can be very, very, very painful. And so we're going to look probably the next couple weeks at, at how to respond biblically to criticism. And we're going to start in Psalm 55. Let me give you a heads up and then we're going to go to Numbers chapter 12. And we're going to look and see what we can learn from God's word today on criticism. And if you're with me, let me hear an amen. amen. Let's go to Psalm 55. Let's, uh, let's just start out with verse, verse 1. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught at the voice of the enemy, at the stares of the wicked. For they bring down suffering upon me and revile me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death sile me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. And I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and storm. Look down at verse 12. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with a throng at the house of God. For here's King David, and he's in a, he's in a tough situation. He's being criticized, he's being attacked, not only by enemies, but David says, by my close friend. I'm touched by that phrase, if an enemy were attacking me, I couldn't, I couldn't endure it. But it comes from you, a friend, family member, somebody on the job, somebody you trusted in, somebody you confided in, and now you're being attacked. And I call it friendly fire. You, you would expect it from the wicked. You would expect it from the ungodly. You would expect it from the world. And David is perplexed here in Psalm 55 because it's not coming from the world or sinners. It's coming from a friend. It's coming from a family member. It's coming from somebody that he trusted in and loved. And you can tell the anguish within his speech in Psalm 55. I don't know if you've ever been there. 
a family member, a close friend, they turn on you and they begin to attack you and assault you and, and criticize you. How, how do you respond? I mean, it's easy to say, you know, get over it and it'll be fine and just let, let time heal. And, and those are all true, but it, it is especially painful when it's someone who's very close to you. A child, a grandson, somebody that you love and you've, you've helped. You know, when I was a, a senior at Edgewater High School in 1979, the last thing I wanted to do was be in ministry. I had no desire to be in ministry. And if you were to ask me why, this would be my response in 79. And it was because I saw firsthand what Christians can do to leaders in the church. So I saw my dad weeping, saw my mom crying, saw the pain of being in leadership. And as an 18-year-old kid, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you want me to sign up for that? That's the last thing that I want to do. And in the spring of that year, I went to a, a youth camp. And I'm telling you, my only interest in going to youth camp was to was to check out all the pretty ladies. <laughs> Lord, lead me. Lord, direct me. God, give me wisdom. And that's the only reason I went to that youth camp. And I got miraculously saved and called in the ministry. I was down at the altar. I, you know, uh, b back in those days, you went to the altar. I went to the altar, and, and, and I... I was crying. I didn't know what I was crying for. I had, I had people laying hands on me, and, and, and the guy on my right was saying, let go. The guy on my left was saying, hang on. I didn't know whether to hang on or let go, but I was, <laughs> I got up, and man, I'm telling you, I was changed. Three days later, I preached my first message in front of 200 junior high kids. Didn't know what in the world I was talking about, but I talked about the power of the tongue because I love James. And I just said, I only got three days to, 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 to get this together, and I preached a sermon, and I still have that file. Uh, the, the power of the tongue I preached. My point is this. I didn't want to get in ministry because I saw the painful trials sometimes that take place when you are a leader and you get attacked by friendly fire. Chances are there's a good number of you today, you are wounded, you are scarred, you are timid, you are fearful of leading because when you lead, critics will always follow. And many times the ones that hurt you the most are the ones that are closest to you. Now, I don't know much. I've only been doing this for about 40 years now. But I have found that many times the people that you pour into the most, the people that you help the most, the people that you reach out and help them the most, they 
undoubtedly will be the ones that will stab you in the back the quickest. Have I scared all of you today? (laughs) And in spite of that, God still wants us to rise up and to lead and become the people that God wants us to be and not be intimidated by, by, by critics, not be intimidated by, by family and friends that don't really understand the whole situation. And so today we're going to look at, we start in Psalm 55, I'm going to take you to an a, a incredible story in Numbers. So let's go to Numbers. Number, if you want to find Numbers, go to Genesis and turn right and you'll find the book of Numbers and we're going to land on Uh, chapter 12, just for the next few moments. If you're with me, let me hear an amen. Amen. And I don't know what we're going to accomplish today or what we're going to, how far we're going to get in the notes. I'm just not sure, but let's just start uh, in Numbers chapter 12. Now, let me just kind of lay the groundwork here of, of where we are at. Moses, his name means to draw out. Remember, he was drawn out of the river. His name was prophetic. His name means to draw out. Moses was leading four to five million people in the desert. You think you've got it bad. Can you imagine the issues and the emails and the texts and the committee meetings that he was having to deal with with six million people? And God had been miraculously providing manna every morning and every night for six million people. I mean, that is truckloads and truckloads and, 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 and cargo just filled with manna every single morning, every single day. And guess what? The people got tired of manna. And they started complaining. And they started griping. And they started talking. And after church, they would get together and they would complain about the pastor's sermon on on the benefits of manna. And they were just mad and they were over manna. So much so that God says, you people are driving me crazy and I'm angry with you. So guess what God did? This is great. God said, I'm going to stop sending manna down, and I'm going to start sending quail down to you. And I'm not going to send you a day's worth. I'm not going to send you a week's worth. I'm going to send you enough quail to feed you for 30 days. The Bible says this, that from three foot up, as far as you could see for miles, God sent in a whole slew of quail, and the people, God says, I'm going to give you so much quail. Now, don't get mad at me for this, because this is in the Bible, Numbers chapter 11. God says, it's going to be coming out of your nose. You know, kind of like you and I, when we go to the buffet, I mean, it's it's just, God says, it's going to be coming out of your nose, and you are going to loathe the quail that I've sent you. How many know they're in a bad situation? So now there are barrels and barrels and barrels now of quail, and the people are still upset. In fact, in Numbers chapter 11, at the very, very last, the Bible says that that God brought them to this city. And I want you to take note of this, and this is in your notes. The name of the city is Hazaroth. Hazaroth is a city. That word there, Hazaroth, watch this, 
means to be enclosed by a fence. Now watch this. Most times when you face criticism, it's because there is a culture of tension and stress and anxiety like you're closed in by a fence. People feel that pressure. People sense the anxiety. They're they're sick of the manna. They're sick of the quail. They're mad that that, that they're leaving and they want to go back to Egypt and they're pressed in. And when that pressure begins, watch this, criticism boils up. And the tighter the pressure, the more that fence closes in, the more that criticism comes out. And now here is Moses leading these people. They're sick of the manna. They're sick of the quail. They're sick of him. And because they're enclosed by a fence, now Moses' closest leaders start to attack him. And they start to criticize him. Look in Numbers chapter 12. And uh, let's start there. And and let's read this powerful story. And, And Miriam and Aaron begin to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? They asked. Hasn't he also spoken through prophets? And I circle this in my Bible, and I hope you do too. And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them came out and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance to the tent and summons Aaron and Miriam. Both of them were stepped forward and God said, listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to to him. I speak to him in dreams, but this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house, and I will speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. And then God asked them this, why were you then not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord burned against them. What a powerful story of criticism by people very close to Moses. The two people that were criticizing Moses was Miriam and Aaron. Now, up on the screen, go ahead, guys, and show that, uh, the, the, that last slide. Let me tell you what Aaron's name means and what Miriam's name means, because this is very, very interesting details. If you're with me, let me hear an amen. Miriam starts to speak against Moses, and so did Aaron. Now watch this. Marion, her name means rebellion. And Aaron, his name means light bearer. So the light bearer, Aaron, and the rebellious one, Miriam, start to talk against Moses, their leader. Now, watch this real carefully. Many times when people criticize you, 
there will be a little truth in the criticism, but you have to peel it back a little bit to see what the true intent is. Not all criticism is bad, but in this scenario, it was very bad, and it was motivated, watch this, by a spirit of rebellion from Miriam. She used Aaron as a shield to cover her rebellion. And God saw this, and the Bible says he was very, very angry. Let me, let me illustrate this. Bruce and, and David, you guys come up here just for a moment. And, and uh, I want to illustrate this real quick. You guys did such a good job the past couple of weeks, I want to use you. Um, in fact, you know what, Michelle, I'm going to have to use you as well. So, let's see. All right, you've got a beard, so you're going to be Moses. So you are Moses. You're going to be Moses. You stand up here, Moses. Thank you. All right. Uh, Bruce, you're going to be Aaron. And Michelle, you're going to be Miriam. Sorry about that. Okay, so Michelle, I need you to come over here. And then Bruce, you come over there by David. And it just so happens that I have a light for Aaron and a knife for Miriam Rebellion. So be careful, that's a, that's a, that's a sharp knife. Here is Aaron, and he has the light. And Aaron and Miriam are going to confront Moses. And Miriam was smart enough to pick somebody that had a little bit of light. And she used this light, which would symbolize a little bit of truth, a few scriptures here and there, enough light for Miriam to seize the moment and with her knife follow in behind the light of Aaron. <laughs> now, Michelle, take that knife out of the thing and be careful. See, Miriam and her rebellion, she was smart enough to pick someone who had a little bit of light and she followed in behind that light with her spirit of rebellion. You know, the Bible says that rebellion is, is a sin of witchcraft. And so Miriam was, was smart enough to know, let's bring Aaron in on this. Let's let his light be shed on this and I will follow in behind on the shadows of Aaron's light. And many times, when you receive criticism, there's a little bit of light, and there's a lot of rebellion. Be careful. Be wise. Don't fall, and don't be blinded by the light. Because many times, not all times, there is a spirit of rebellion that is underlying the criticism, the, the criticism that is coming to you. And as a leader, as a grandparent, as a leader in your business, you've got to be wise and you have to be able to uh, uh, look at and analyze and perceive where is this coming from. And many times it's a spirit of rebellion. Many times people are not trying to, 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 to correct you for correction's sake. 
They're trying to prove that they're right. And there's a little bit of light and a lot of rebellion. Are y'all with me? Give these guys a hand. They did a good job. Thank you, guys. And Mary and Mary started asking questions. They started posing questions, just like the snake did in Genesis. Did God say? When, when, when Jesus was tempted, it was questions. And I want you to notice the, the, that powerful phrase in the middle of the story, and the Lord heard this. I think we would be very wise when we are bringing up critical thoughts or criticism to have a filter in front of us and we need to ask the question, am I aware that God is hearing this? Before you send that email, you and I should put a post-it note above our computer that says, Scott, are you aware that God is hearing this? And I think for many of us, if we fully understood that God hears this, God sees this, God is aware of this, it may change the way we draft that email. It may change the way we respond to people in leadership. It may change the way we word it because God hears everything. In fact, the Bible says this, that one day you and I are going to be held accountable for every careless word. Everyone say careless. You know what that word means, careless? It means lazy. You know what we do sometimes? We get lazy in our words and we say things and there's a little bit of light, and there's a lot of rebellion. And we get lazy with our words. Oh, that's not that big a thing. Oh, I'm just kind of hot about this man in situation. Oh, I'm just sick of this quail situation. I'm just going to draft him an email and send it to him. Not realizing that God hears everything. And you and I are going to be accountable for every careless or lazy word we speak. How are we doing so far today? Everybody doing good? Now, I'm not mad at anybody. There's not a person here I'm mad at. There's not a person here I've got the fence with. This is all good. I'm just trying to help you and help me understand sometimes when criticism comes our way, there's a little bit of light and a lot of rebellion. And God hears everything. God was so mad that he says, we're going to call a tent of meeting. Can I tell you something? When you get an email from God that says tent of meeting, that means you are in trouble. <laughs> it's going to be a long day. That's how, that's how hot God was. Now watch this. He didn't delay it for a month. He didn't delay it for six months. The Bible says immediately God called a tent of meeting. And he confronted Aaron and Miriam. He said, why did you do this? 
I think many times we need to be very, very wise and careful and calculated before we criticize other people. Tent of meeting. The Bible got so mad that the Bible says that he cursed Miriam and she had leprosy. And then guess what Moses had to do? He had to pray for Miriam. He had to go to the Lord and say, God, please forgive her and heal her. Have you ever had to pray for somebody that stabbed you in the back out of a spirit of rebellion? Could be one of the hardest things you've ever had to do. And here is Moses. Watch this. The Bible says he was the most humble. He was the most meek man in all the world. And the Bible says that he went to God and said, God, please heal her. And after seven days, she was healed of her leprosy. Are you all still with me this morning? Let's talk a little bit about uh, criticism and, and, and look at your notes and uh, follow along just for the next, next few moments together. Number one, facts on fault finding. Criticism should be expected. Jesus says this, if they persecuted me in Matthew chapter, uh, John chapter 15, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So number one, don't be surprised. I love the scripture in Peter. Don't be surprised by the fiery trial that you are facing that has come upon you. Don't be surprised. And I think just in this culture especially, you should expect that sometimes there is going to be criticism. I, I love this quote. Criticism is the disapproval of people, not for having faults, but having faults that are different than your own. Let me say that again. Criticism is, is the disapproval of people not for having faults, but for having faults different than their own. Number one, criticism should be expected. Number two, criti criticism is painful. How many of you are here today and you've ever been, been, been through criticism, you've had to face a painful, hurtful experience? Can I see your hands? Yeah, most of us. Criticism can be painful. Galatians chapter 5, verse 15, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you too will be destroyed by each other. In your notes, I want you to write to the left, just for a moment, write, the, uh, write critic, and then on the right, I want you to write critical friends. And when you are faced with painful experiences, you've got to surround yourself with critical friends. What do I mean by that? Watch this. Number one, critics, they find your faults. Critical friends see your strengths. Number two, critics want to win by pulling you down. Critical friends want to make you better. Number three, critics hold you back. Critical friends move you forward. Number four, Critics, they will change your mood. Critical friends will help you change your mind. Oh, I love this one. Critics will make you swear. Critical friends will make you smile. Number six, critics will make you timid and fearful. Critical friends will make you strong and courageous. Make sure that you are surrounding yourself with critical friends, not critics. Can I get an amen? Go back to number four. 
Critics will change your mood. Critical friends will change your mind. Five, critics will make you swear. Critical friends will make you smile. And number six. Here we go. Critics will make you timid and fearful. Critical friends will make you strong and courageous. So critics or critical friends? Who do you surround yourself with? Critical friends. Number three. Criticism will be judged. Matthew chapter 7, 1. I think we all need to be reminded. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Watch this. To the measure you judge other people, that same measurement will be judged to you. So if you judge with, a, with a, an ounce, that's the amount of judgment that's going to come towards you an ounce. If you judge with a 10-gallon jar, that's the kind of judgment that's going to come to you. Judge, criticism will be judged. I love this quote. Let me read it to you. Criticism should be like rain. It should be gentle enough to nourish a man's growth without destroying his roots. Hmm. Let me say that again. Criticism is like rain. It should be gentle enough to nourish a man's growth without destroying his roots. Number four, criticism by those closest to us hurts us the most. In your notes, you see there Matthew chapter 26. I'm always reminded of this. Judas. What did Judas do in the last hours of, of Christ's life? What? He went up to Christ and kissed him on the cheek and stabbed him in the back. There will be Judases in your life. I love this quote. Don't fear the enemy that attacks you, but fear the friend that hugs you. Criticism by those closest to us will hurt the most. Number five, here's another principle. Criticism must be handled correctly or biblically. Proverbs 15, verse 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, let me give you a couple of uh, insights on how I handle criticism. First thing I have is I have, the, I call it the 24-hour rule. If you send me a letter, and by the way, if you send me a letter and you don't sign it, it goes in the trash can. <laughs> Period. I've instructed my staff the same way. If you don't have enough <laughs> guts, boy, I almost sinned there. If you're not woman enough and man enough to sign and put your name to your criticism, I don't have time to read it. Goes right. Remember my dad? I think my dad taught you guys this principle. Delete, 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 delete. Remember? <laughs> so if I get a letter, if I get an email, I have the 24-hour rule. Instead of reacting and, 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 and being in the flesh and you're hurt and wounded, I always wait 24 hours. And I just sit on it. It's amazing. You would solve yourself a lot of trouble if you would apply this 24-hour rule. 
Don't just mouth off in, in, in your emotions because you're going to say things that are just going to stir things up and make them worse. Just sit on it. Second thing I do is I allow trusted friends to look at and or read the criticism that is coming to me. And I ask them for their advice and their wisdom. Really, really wise. So that means you're going to have to take a couple days to let this thing just, and just run it by a few other people. And then after you've waited, and after you've given, received counsel from other people, then you can respond to any criticism, any criticism that comes your way. The people want to sign that email or sign that letter, you respond to it. Understanding that there's going to be, could be, a little truth in every bit of criticism. And that's for the Holy Spirit to begin to work on your heart, creating in you a clean spirit, and you allowing the Holy Spirit to, to allow that criticism to make you better, not bitter. So here's two ways to respond to criticism. Number one, you react. That means to retaliate in return. Well, how dare you say that? And you just start to rip into them a new one. That's reacting. Responding is to do that which is in constructive, not destructive. So it's responding versus reacting, and it's got to be handled correctly. Number six, Bruce, if you go up to the keyboard, criticism needs time. Everyone say time. time. Romans chapter 12, verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I think it's wise for you to take time in responding to criticism. Be joyful in hope. Be joyful in the fact that this thing could get resolved. Be patient in, afflicted, in affliction and faithful in prayer. Don't respond to criticism if you haven't prayed about it. And don't go to God and say, God, fix them. God, fix me. Help me, God. You know, we've all got blind spots. All of us have blind spots. And sometimes God will use somebody that speaks into your life. And if you, if you receive it and it's done in love and it's not done out of a spirit of rebellion, it can benefit, it can cause you to, to, be, to be better. I love what Winston Churchill said this. Criticism may not be agreeable, but it is necessary. It fulfills the same function as pain in the body. It calls to attention an unhealthy state of things. Could it be that God could use criticism to make you better and to make you the person that God wants you to be? I love this one, and I'll, I'll read this slow so you can write it down here. This is by John Maxwell. Talk about timing. Timing is everything. Number one, the wrong action at the wrong time equals disaster. The right action at the wrong time equals resistance. The wrong action at the right time is a mistake. But the right action at the right time is a miracle. And if you and I will simply, like Moses, 
I love in that story in Numbers, Moses didn't hire a defense lawyer. He didn't even respond to what they were saying. Why? Because there will be times in your life and my life that God will rise up and he'll be your defense. And usually, it's like a news cycle. If you just are patient, the news cycle just will shift to another story. And if you're just patient, the criticism or the stress or the anxiety that you're faced with, it will move on if you're just patient in affliction and move on. I want to pray for you today. There's some of you that are wondering how to respond to what your employees are saying to you at work. Some of you are needing to respond to a family member. In fact, I talked to someone last night who came to our house for dinner. It's amazing. She was talking about the pain that she has endured through the loss of a family member. And she said her biggest issue was not people in the community, not people in the neighborhood. Her biggest issue is the pain that she in, has endured by family members. And I want to pray for you today that you would respond biblically and correctly to criticism and allow God to be your defense. He will do a lot better job at defending you than you can yourself. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that in the midst of heartache and pain and even betrayal, I pray you'll help us to be sensitive, to receive criticism, to receive the light, to receive the truth, and allow it to help us to be better. I pray for men and women here at Pine Castle today that, that are, are, are wounded, they're hurt, they're gun-shy. Friendly fire has, has come and taken them by surprise, and they're weary. I pray that you'll encourage them today and allow them to receive the strength and the, and the hope that we can find through Jesus Christ. Lord, we're grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit. Work in us. God, help us to be better. Help us to humble ourselves. Help us to be like Moses. Help us to be meek and humble in the face of criticism. And Lord, we know that you, God, will resolve every issue. And we're looking forward to that. We're grateful for it. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. Stand up across the auditorium as we get ready to dismiss today. Before we leave, is there anybody here today, you say, Pastor Scott, I don't know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I realize that I've got issues. I realize that I am a sinner. I realize that I have fallen, and I need a Savior to rescue me from my, myself. I'm in a world of hurt. I'm just surrounded by trouble and criticism and heartache, and I realize that maybe the problem is me. I'm just, I need a Savior to come into my life and to change me. If you're here today and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today would be a beautiful day for you to start over and recognize that you are a sinner just like me and that you can be saved by grace and God can come into your life and change you. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you want to, we can pray right now. I want to pray with you. 
Just lift your hand across the auditorium. Maybe those watching online, maybe in the balcony. If you're here today, Christ can come into your life and he can change you and give you a purpose for living like he did for me back in 1979 at Edgewater High School. He can do it for you. Let's just pray this prayer together. God, just repeat after me. God, I recognize today that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I humble myself. I recognize today that you came to this world to rescue me. Come into my life. Change me. I repent and I turn to you to be my source of life from this moment forward. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let me bless you as you go. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God give you courage. May God give you strength. May God give you the ability to receive criticism and allow the Holy Spirit to work on your life and to change you from glory to glory to glory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you next week. Have a great week. God bless you.